lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, y'all. We are back for another episode. And today we are going to be talking about independence. I noticed that it was like coming up in a couple ways. It came up in last episode when Jordan was talking about, you know, with her, her first son and having him, I noticed in my own personal life, it's been a theme coming up, particularly with dating. So we thought we would dive into this concept of independence today. And if it is really serving you, or if there's some ways that this mindset of wanting to be independent and really empowering yourself to do it all could be sabotaging you. Yeah. And I want to make sure we make the clarification of like, there's so many semantics, right? There's nothing wrong with being resourceful. There's nothing wrong with being like a get it done and check it off, you know, type of person or trying to find answers yourself before asking someone else. But what we find, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you are, you know, focused on showing up as your best self and being a leader, what we find is oftentimes independence can turn into a downfall, the mindset of it, you know, and cause us to like Taylor just said, you know, do it all and try and achieve it all. And so we're going to talk today about some mindset shifts around how you can still foster that spirit of, you know, air quote independence while also leaning into support so that you can show up as your best self. And I think it's like Jordan's saying is so important to recognize we're sitting here recording this episode as two highly independent women. Like we value that. It is honestly part of both of our belief systems of like being able to do things on our own and that we are capable and challenging ourselves. And we're going to weave some of that in through the episode. So just so you know, the takeaway is not that independence is a bad thing. We're actually going to help you improve your skill set as being an independent woman. So don't let that mentality completely go, but we're going to make some small tweaks today. That's really going to help you show up to be the best version of yourself. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. So let's get into it. Taylor and I were talking right before we recorded this about like actually what is independence. And um, she has a good revelation, I guess, if you will, about the term independence. So I'll let her speak to that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I was in therapy and my therapist kind of called me out on this and I was like, Oh, <laughs> um, so it was a bit of a, a, a shock to me. And when she said it, and so the term she used is we actually live in a society of interdependence. And I knew what that meant conceptually, but then when she really started to get into it, I was like, yeah, that's so true. So it came up in this concept of me talking about dating and how much I value my independence. And so when I am looking for a potential partner, you know, I'm like, I need him to respect the fact that I am independent and that 
also, I like some of my alone time and all of that. And she was like, yeah, like you can have that, but also making sure that you're not like so set in that because you truly aren't independent in any way. And this is, again, it's not to negate us as women. Like we have worked so hard and there's still so much work that still needs to be done with valuing women to the same degree as men are often valued in our culture. And also, you know, it's this idea of you're never truly alone. So it's like you're cooking dinner. It's like, okay, I can cook dinner for myself. Or if you are a mom and you have a spouse, like I can cook dinner for my family. I've got this. If you really take a pause and think about it, The way that that food got there, maybe you did go to the grocery store and you bought it yourself, right? Your your spouse did not buy it. You bought it. And maybe it's even your money. You took the trip, all of that, right? Yet someone had to pull those vegetables out of the garden. Someone had to package the things that, you know, the meat that you're cooking. And then also someone had to get it from wherever it's created to the actual grocery store. And someone else had to stock those items on the shelf. And so it's this idea that really you have this circle around you and you are never truly doing something fully independently that at least for me, like Jordan said, was a revelation. Yeah. And I think what's cool about this mindset shift, there's a few things that come to mind. One is that it helps you step out of this mentality of like, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like self-check moment. I think one of my like love languages is words of praise and words of affirmation. And I want people subconsciously, I think to be like, oh, good job. Or like, I I like to receive the praise, right? I mean, that's just like self-check moment. And I always joke of like gold stars. And that's one of the hardest things of being a mom to me is that like you serve all day and there's no gold stars and your kids aren't like, thank you. Thank you. I mean, even, you know, in marriage, sometimes it feels that way, but it helps us put this mentality of like, I did it all. I deserve credit on the back burner. And like the first thing that I thought of is like, wow, that actually gives you an opportunity to be grateful for the support instead of sometimes I feel like people are like trying to take things away from me. You know what I'm saying? Even though I do need the help sometimes in certain situations, I'm like, don't try and take that from me. That's mine. That's my job. That's my role. Whereas instead it's like, I'm so grateful for this circle of support that enables me to be this or do X. And when she used the cooking dinner example, that all like really became clear. So With this interdependence mindset, you're able to give a new definition to what independence really means and be grateful for that, you know, circle of even like invisible support or pre-work in some cases that helped you get to where you are. And I think some of it is this idea of independence can be really lonely sometimes too, because you feel like you're doing everything by yourself. And even in my life, like I talk about, I really value independence. Um, and I do like my alone time, but there's other times I'm like, like I, I've shared this on an episode before. I actually hate cooking. I almost never cook. Um, I cooked last night and boiled pasta and it said to put it in salty water. And oh my gosh, was it so salty? I'm such a horrible cook. Um, And that's one of the reasons I don't like it. But it's interesting. I actually was on a date this past week and we got talking about cooking and he was like, do you not like cooking? And I was like, no. But then I realized I literally said out loud, 
Yeah, but I think cooking might be a little bit more enjoyable, like if I was doing it with someone. And so it's interesting. That was a bit of a tangent, but like this idea of like doing it by yourself sometimes can feel lonely and you feel off on your island by yourself. And so what it does is it at least brings that island into the pack around other islands and you realize, okay, there's other islands around me. I'm not completely alone. And I I just think it helps to give that shift of you aren't alone. And, you know, we love talking about that on this podcast is that you aren't alone. And so sometimes in those moments where you aren't getting those gold stars, you aren't getting those thank yous, or you feel like you're, you know, doing it all with no recognition it can feel really lonely. And so taking that step back and realizing, okay, the pressure is off. I am not actually doing it all by myself can feel a little less lonely at times. And I think even when we take this mindset, like I'm just not thinking about this into a social setting, like I believe as humans, even as someone who, I mean, it might be surprising, but I'm kind of like, I'm an extrovert, but I'm an, I recharge alone. I'm an introvert. Like me recharging is not being around a lot of people. And so I would consider that mostly an introvert, but so like in a social, social situation, it's so easy for me to think like, I don't need people. I don't need groups. I don't need teams. Like I work from home. I have my own small business. That's like mine. And I'm a firm believer that people do need people, even if that's not how you recharge. So even thinking about the interdependence in that way, it's like, you can be on your little Island and that's great, but don't negate the islands around you. Like to Taylor's point, whether we're talking about groceries and cooking, or we're talking about, you know, a business group or a mastermind group or a church group or a work group or a mops group, mothers of preschoolers. So that's just randomly, again, tangential, but making me think of, you know, you can be independent and value your alone time too, but also don't negate those islands and that support next to you that you can grab onto. Yeah. I think that's just such a good point is like realizing that there is this community around you as well. Even when things feel hard, that can be really, really helpful. So now let's transition then to talking about communication, right? And this came up as like a point that we wanted to make because I hear this all the time working with parents. I primarily work with moms and I I wish I could like record it and quote it. And I guarantee a lot of you would be like, oh yeah, I've said that too. Where it's like, I am just so frustrated. Like my husband, my boyfriend, my, my partner, whatever. Right. I just want him to do things, but he, he's not doing them. Right. And so you feel so frustrated where you're having as a woman, you have a huge mental load. We know this, like research has supported this, like often much greater than many men do. Of course, there's some dynamics that are different, but this huge mental load. And so what you're saying is I want him to take some of this mental load and you feel really frustrated. You want him to step in without you having to ask. First off, I want to say that frustration is valid, right? To feel that. And I hear this a lot, like, Well, it's not fair. I have to think of everything. Like, why doesn't my partner have to think of everything? And it isn't fair, right? And so recognizing and validating that frustration is so important. And then 
And notice the and is thinking about how are you going to shift this dynamic so that you don't continue to build up resentment. And this is where working with moms, I see a lot of moms get stuck is they feel the frustration and then they're just like, fine, I'll just keep doing it all. But the thing is, we know that by communicating your needs, it's going to make it easier for your partner than to step in. And so basically like actually advocating and asking and being direct of what you need, like you can feel frustrated that your partner isn't reading your mind, right? But that's the thing. You really are expecting them to read your mind. So how can you communicate more directly to actually get the support that you're craving? And this might feel abnormal at first, but some examples that came to mind for me is like in marriage, I have said, you know, on mother's day, on my birthday, like I'm not a materialistic type of person, but I do like, it makes me feel loved and appreciated if I had something And here. And I literally gave him a, a note on iPhone shared note of a bunch of free and then maybe some small cost, um, items or like things that he could do that really make me feel like loved and appreciated. So if, if you like want flowers, tell your person that you want flowers. Another example is instead of like, gosh, you know, I can't do this on my own, which again, valid. Hey, could you fold that laundry before you go to bed tonight? Be very direct. And if it's more in the work setting, you know, I definitely struggle with this in the work setting. I, half of me doesn't want to be a burden to other people. And then the other half of me is like, I'm overwhelmed and I have too much on my plate, but I'll just do it myself. Cause I don't trust anyone else to do it, but that's just going to be a cycle of repeat if I don't fix the problem. Right. So, you know, being very direct with colleagues about, Hey, do you think you could do this for me? And then saying, thank you. You know, it's really, it would be really easy for me to say, well, you folded the laundry, but that's Mason's and that's Hudson's. You're supposed to fold them separate and put them away, or you didn't fold it right. And they're wrinkly, but like starting off the feedback loop with positive reinforcement and praise for the effort and not the outcome is going to be really important here because nobody likes to do something for the first time and then have someone be like, I'm not even going to say, thank you. I'm just going to tell you all the ways that you didn't do it right. Yeah. And I I can hear some of you right now listening to this episode, you're going, but why do I have to like, right? That's the, the gut reaction. And you don't have to, there's nothing you have to do. Um, and I want to like make that clear, but some of it is you are in this cycle likely where you're not getting the support you're doing it all. But so when you're doing it again, then you're building up that resentment of like, oh my gosh, I have to do everything right. And then you think about how that affects your mood throughout the day, how that affects your thoughts throughout the day, how much that affects your actions, right? You might actually be frustrated with the fact that your partner isn't stepping up in some ways and you snap at the kids. And so, yes, I get it isn't fair. And do we have a lot of work to do in this realm, in this domain? Yeah, we do as a culture. And what we're trying to do is give you tangible tips of how you can start to shift that cycle. I was at church on Sunday and he said something that literally needed to resonate as a thread across my entire life. He said something along the lines of like choosing the harder again, I'm air quoting, but like the harder work now 
is so much more fruitful, like in the long run, whereas as humans and as busy women, so often we just think, well, the quickest course of action to get what I need. So the quickest course of action to get the house buttoned up and the kids asleep and me in bed watching Netflix or whatever is for me to do the laundry and not have to explain it, you know, but instead maybe you could shift your mind to say, okay, for the next two weeks, I'm going to really focus on communicating my needs. May it take longer and may I have to fold, you know, will I have to maybe refold a few shirts possibly that might just be the pre-work for the more sustainable long-term outcome. So don't be afraid to take the commitment of maybe a more challenging period of learning. Another thing too here is learning to like relinquish control. I do think that for me personally, deep down, I do want help and I can't do it all. But also when people help me, I'm like, but wait, I, you know, so it's, I was telling Taylor about this. I mean, my husband's been so incredible as we've shifted to have two kids and I'm working full-time and I'm in a season of working a lot right now. And he's taken the kids to school every single day. And like, it's so, so incredibly helpful. And at the same time, I'm like, wait, (laughs) come back. Like I want to take them, you know? And so just being able to shift your mindset and learn to let go of some things too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is a process. It's a journey, right? Anytime you change and you make those changes, it can be uncomfortable. And so, or it's not going to happen in the way maybe that you're expecting it to happen. So in addition to relinquishing control, I'd also say to relinquish expectations that you have a certain way you need it done and it has to be done exactly that way becomes really, really important. Jordan was talking about praising the effort, not the outcome and why that is so important. And also why it's important to ask help is we think about behavioral principles. Basically, whatever attention we give to something, whether that's negative or positive, whatever attention we give to it, it reinforces that cycle. It makes it more likely that the behavior will happen in some way. So for example, if you just jump in and do it, then without literally your partner even thinking, oh, like sometimes they'll think, oh, there she goes again. She's just going to do it. But other times what's going to happen is a subconscious, like, reinforcement of, well, she'll just jump in and fix it. And so that's one thing to think about. And then on the other side of it is that if you're constantly criticizing when your partner is making effort, that's going to make it less likely that they do it because you know, you're not actually giving them that reinforcement to keep going with the behavior. It's punishing for them to get that criticism and punishment. On the other hand, I could go into like a whole like behavioral reinforcement thing, but the simplified version is punishment is going to make it less likely that they do that behavior again. And so attention makes it more likely. So if we can say something like, Hey, thank you so much for folding the laundry versus that was folded incorrectly. Like that's not how I fold the towels. The the former is positive attention and reinforcement. The latter is criticism or a form of punishment. So I'm about to give you like a question that we did not talk about before this. So yeah, let's go. Just making me think. So when it comes to behavior reinforcement, how can we reinforce our behavior of asking for help 
so that we are like, that is so good that you did that, you know, so that we do it more often instead of the example I just gave where maybe the reason I don't ask for help is because I beat myself up every time someone helps me. Yeah. So I think for one thing is there's a couple of things here. One is actually like recognizing the, like that you are getting help being like, wow, that feels really nice to have someone step in and help me. Or that feels really nice that that no longer is on my to-do list, right? Praising the fact that you are getting that support, recognizing it. Because what often happens, you know, we've talked about wins on here before, like it's easy just to negate those wins, which quick aside, you recognizing your own wins, this is why it works, is this whole behavioral reinforcement that I'm talking about. But it's, it's hard. Sometimes we're go, go, go. And so we don't even like take the moment and take the pause to be like, I got what I wanted, right? And by recognizing it and acknowledging it, that actually reinforces the likelihood that you are to ask again, because it feels like it was worth it. It feels valuable. It feels like you got something out of it. So that's one piece. Another piece of it, though, is to think about like in terms of the guilt, one, validating your guilt is so important and recognizing that having guilt is part of the human experience. And some of that guilt is coming from this idea of you're used to doing it all right. And so it's a change. And I actually would wonder if that guilt is coming just from simply it being discomfort from your normal routine. Like it's some deviation and it shows up as guilt in a cognitive way. Really you're feeling discomfort deep down that it's a change, that it's new, that it's uncomfortable. And then our brain comes in like the um, more cognitive sides of our brain and like interprets that and then interprets it as, well, I'm feeling this discomfort because I should be doing something, you know, X, Y, and Z way. And so just validating that that guilt exists and knowing that it is part of the human experience and it is okay to have guilt, but that guilt doesn't have to be an indicator to do something different is one piece. And then another piece of this is like you were talking about the example of dropping, you know, your kids off and how you really do appreciate the help. It is also okay to sometimes intersperse, like you just say to your husband, like, Hey, I'm going to take the kids today. I really want this time. And I will say on their end, what they're going to see it as like that change to them is going to be something exciting, most likely like, Ooh, mom's taking us today. And so I think that's the other piece. So there's kind of a couple components here. I think the underlying message of what I want to say with all of it comes from this form of acknowledgement and recognition, whether that's acknowledgement and recognition of your feelings that are popping up or acknowledge and recognition of the actions that are happening, that's going to make it easier to transition and be able to get ultimately your desired outcome of having someone take off things of your mental load or of your to-do list. You just said something before we move on. I just like, I feel like I need to highlight this. You just said something that I feel like was so groundbreaking. You said guilt is a part of the human experience. It is not a signal that something needs to change. So I want everyone to like hear that and pause on it because that was so good. (laughs) 
I'm glad. Yeah. I, I think just learning to view our emotions in a different way, give them space can be so incredibly powerful. And we're used to our, our emotions are a form of communication and we're used to acting on our emotions, using it, discomfort, negative emotions. We're used to being like, how do we fix that? Instead, just allowing that negative emotion to be, will be, I'm telling you it's, it's life-changing. And I can say that from personal experience, because this is something that I've been leaning into more with my life. Okay. So the third thing we want you guys to take away from this talk about independence is your effectiveness. So you are more effective when you focus on your strengths and you give other people the opportunity to focus on their strengths. Now, obviously there can be situations where like, I'm not good at vacuuming the floor, so I'm not going to do it. You know, like a small example, but obviously it doesn't play into every single aspect of our life. But I think about this a lot in, you know, business, when you can relinquish some of that control and say, okay, I am really good. And I shine in these areas. Maybe you can outsource a few house tasks and things like that so that you show up as the best you. You said something about like, I'm not good at vacuuming. And it popped into my brain though, is almost all humans, again, because of these behavioral principles love some forms of words of affirmation. Not everyone like craves them as much, but everyone values them. So for example, one way to make it more likely that your partner will do something is compliment them. Hey, it's, you do a really good job when you do X, Y, and Z. Would you mind doing that today? And you can think about maybe those things you're not good at and your partner is good at and like leverage that. And Jordan actually, um, it's what's popping into my brain right now, posted a reel yesterday about her husband making steaks, which cracked me up. But like, literally, you know, saying those things of like, it basically go watch the reel. It was him being like, well, she was acting him out, um, being like, isn't this good? Isn't it the best steak you've ever had? Like, but that's the thing. Like if you were to say, Hey, you are really good at making steaks. Would you mind making those for dinner tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's going to make it more likely. So also using this to, to your advantage, use those words of affirmation. Think about where you're not good. Maybe that your partner is good and like amp that up. So funny. And when you think about which that conversation, my real actually happened. I mean, he, like, I saw him like looking at me as I was taking the first bite and while it was hysterical and I did, I'd even told him before I posted the reel, I was like, I am so grateful and I'm so glad you can cook a good steak. Like I was not trying to, you know, poke fun at him, but the fact that he was saying those things and trying to, he was verbally seeking that affirmation Mm -hmm. is just like proof that this is valid. Right. I know. And sometimes we just like miss those signs too. And I guess going back to this idea of praising effort, not outcome is that sometimes too, we're, we're missing attempts. I see this again with my coaching clients quite a lot of, and I shared this with one of my coaching clients the other day. I'm like, but are you missing your husband's attempts to help? And she was like, oh, 
I probably am, right? And so that's the thing is sometimes your your partner's putting themselves out there and you're not giving that acknowledgement. And because you're not reinforcing it, it makes it less likely for that behavior to happen again in the future. So that's it. Like some of this is slowing down so you actually can realize where your partner is trying to step in or other people. I keep saying partner, which is really ironic because here I am single as all can as all can be, you know, like, but the people, I think that this like can flood into so many areas, like your work, your friendships, romantic relationships or not your kids. If you have kids, I mean, this idea of like taking the independence and being independent and like being proud and empowered by that, but also knowing that your being a leader and your ability to, you know, take charge and do what you need to do also can include other people. It can include help. It can include letting control go of certain aspects of your business, your life, et cetera, and allowing other people to step in. And we just really believe that when you do that, and when you shift your mindset around that, Taylor used the word, I have it highlighted here in our notes, you show up more optimally and you really do. You, you show up and you lead and you impact as the best way you possibly can when you allow yourself to have that support system. So we really hope that y'all enjoyed this talk and that you can put it into action this week. So good. One thing I did want to say, and we can talk more about this on a future episode, but you said your kids and I want to say, and I just, I want to give this reminder, not as like a listen to me, but like I do have some credibility when I say this. I am a child psychologist. And one of the things that I will say is a game changer is having your kids have chores or having them have some sort of responsibility. This includes your toddlers. Your toddler should have chores. And this is something I actually work with parents on quite a lot. And a lot of it is not always, some of it is teaching responsibility, but it also teaches so much more. There's so much learning in your children having chores. Um, So we can dive into that more on another episode, but asking your kids for help is what this comes down to. And again, focus on effort, not the outcome, because if you're having them like fill the dog's bowl, that's a common one for toddlers, like feeding the dog and dog food goes everywhere. And you like, like, oh my gosh, you poured dog food everywhere. They're not going to want to do it again. Versus if they're like, if you're like, oh my goodness, you did it. You fed the dog. Um, my dog's literally staring at me with that. Dog <laughs> voice. Wait, what? <laughs> And like that kid voice. But anyway, so just know asking your kids for help is part of this too. That's so good. I would love an episode on that. Yeah, we should. We are almost done with this episode, but we want to leave you with tangible steps to apply this. We are all about taking messy action and we would encourage you to embrace that with us. Here's this week's takeaway. Okay. So today for your messy action, it's a simple task is asking for help with just one thing today. So look at your to-do list, look at everything that you have to do. Where is something that you can delegate today? I'm going to warn you, start small, right? Um, Don't try to like do some like monster takeover. It's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for the person receiving it. Is there some little thing that you can ask for help on today? And be direct when you ask for help and remember to give praises for effort. So 
if you need some inspiration, you know, maybe someone else is going to put the kids to bed tonight so that you can go on a walk. Maybe you're going to ask your toddler to fill the dog bowl, just like Taylor said, or if you're um, listening to this at work, as you go through your work week, maybe there's that one thing that has been on your to-do list and then makes it to tomorrow's to-do list. And the day after that, maybe you circle it and you say, is there an opportunity here for someone else to shine and someone else to do this, to help me out and remember small direct and praise for effort. We can't wait to see how this changes your mindset and helps you lead more empathically. Right. Bye y'all. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect, but impactful progress with us on social media. We've linked our Instagram lead her dot every day in the show notes. So you can tag us, make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.